Welcome to Miss Lyrics Poetry Outlaws, a show about all things poetry. I'm your host, Catherine Owen. Good morning and welcome to Miss Lyrics Poetry Outlaws. I am here back in Edmonton in my studio and I am going to be interviewing or conversing with the incredible Torontonian poet and maker of all things, Robert Priest. So, hi Robert. Okay, let's read your bio that I had to cut because it's so extensive and, you know, elaborative. Because <laughs> uh, you're so young. It's hard to imagine you have such a long bio. So People's Poet Robert Priest is the author of 14 books of poetry, three plays, four novels, lots of musical CDs, and one hit song. We'll find out what it's called later. His 2008 book, Reading the Bible Backwards from ECW, also a press I publish with, Peaked at number two on the Canadian poetry charts. Can you tell me about these mysterious poetry charts? I've, I, I guess I've just never placed on them. I've, I, you know, where did they come from? Yeah, it's, it's, um, they were in the Globe, ah. the Mail in Toronto. Um, I don't know if they even still do that, and I had never encountered them either. Either, but uh, one day, my um, father-in-law's partner called up and said, "Do you know you're number two? And <laughs> what? You know, and then so I I um, I made sure to uh, to to get a scan of it, so I right. have proof. Nice. That, yes. Well, this is incredible because the sales of this book were exceeded only by those of Leonard Cohen. Now that's something to brag about, right? Well, yeah, and it's it's a kind of a promo way of saying he was number one. That's right, well, exactly. I was number two on that, but I don't know even how often they used to issue it. Probably once a month. So hey. For that month, I guess I could honestly say they, you know, he, I was only exceeded by Leonard Cohen. And it's a okay to be second to Cohen, right? Absolutely. There's, there's no shame in that. Yeah. <laughs> Not at all. You know, I, I used to, uh, in my more egotistical moments, refer to myself as the second best poet in Canada. <laughs> uh, with that in mind, of course. Which, uh, of course. So. Rosa Rose, a book of children's verse and praise of inspirational figures, a wonderful book, won a Silver Moonbeam Award in the U.S. and was a book of honor in the Lion and the Unicorn Prize for Excellence in Children's Literature. Its sequel, The Wolf is Back, also superb from Will Second Win, another of my main presses, won the Golden Moonbeam Award for 2017. A newly released album of songs and spoken word pieces, Love is Hard! is available on Spotify and YouTube. A new book, If I Didn't Love the River, is due out in 2022 with ECW Press. Fantastic news. So, personally speaking, I met Robert in around 1997 when he came out to read in Vancouver at Café du Soleil. And then later he was part of Chad Norman and Mine's A Two and Three Zeros event, also at Café Du with Jamie Reed and Joe Shithead Keithley. We then read together in Toronto a few times, starting from my 2002 tour for the Rex of Eden. I also stayed with him and his amazing wife, Marsha, went on tour for various books. Once, memorably, I got to meet Alana Miles, with whom he recorded the hit song. Now I'm going to tell you what it's called, called Song Instead of a Kiss, and enjoyed his own readings. One of my fave books of his may be The Mad Hand. 
and musical performances at a range of venues. He also discusses the practice of mixing mediums in my anthology, The Other 23 and a Half Hours, that came out with Will Second Win in 2015. So we've known each other a good long time, and he's one of my favorite people in this country. <laughs> so true. Oh, <laughs> so, Robert, I would love you to read this incredible piece, uh, The Name It Guzzle, or Guzzle, or Guzzle. I can, uh, I, it's on your screen. Yes. Uh, you would just scroll it up so I can see the whole Absolutely. Thing. Whoops. Let's oh, go. It goes pretty quickly, so I'll try to scroll as you go. Oh. Good? Oh, is that it? That's all of it, is No, it? the rest of it is on the other page. I think there's three oh. more stanzas. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe, maybe what I should do is just find, uh, I should just call it up so I can see it all. At oh, once? Yeah. Okay. Yes, because the repetitions kind of, you know, you yeah. need to see the whole thing at once to get into the flow. Yes. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I love how you're playing with forms now in, in all kinds of different ways. Well, Definitely, you, yeah. yeah. Um, Definitely I, one I, of my... Yeah, I kind of knew I wanted to do that at some point. Mm. I, you know, and I'm glad to have had the time to get to it. Okay, here we are. Perfect. Name it, Guzzle. This darkness is a pain-free zone. Name it. It haunts my throat... It's cause unknown, name it. Cadaver cold, it crooks my fingers round another's blood, dark in my own, name it. A dog, electroshocked from years of sleep, is shrieking through my hollow bones, name it. An inverse sun that tugs horizons down to read the graves on written stone. The rotting meat of angel suicide, the straw-thick wrist, its wound unsown. Name it. The gaslit seer, the murdered god, the staked moth, shuddering alone. Name it. The unborn twin, still stunted in my chest, screams to me, its soul ingrown. Name it. A faceless priest in dry baptism chants, but can't in his unholy tone name it. I rob this ritual. I derail it. I know fear. I've always known. I name it. Mm, that's one of those pieces that gives you the shivers. Ah. Yeah, it's it's stunning. So my first question is, okay, so we've known each other a long time. We've talked about poetry. We've ranted about it. Uh, we've discussed so many different uh, ways we've been involved in, you know, the creation of, of form and rhyme and rhythm. I know you've been into rhyme and rhythmic structures for years, especially for your children's verse and songs, but how did the gazel and other more traditional forms, I, you, you sent me a sonnet as well, find you? And how does this form in particular fit so well with the content? Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, you're right that, that um, despite the fact that I, you know, most of my published work of adult poetry is free verse uh, or prose poetry. Um, and, 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 you know, when I first sort of discovered that uh, as, as, you know, maybe a 19 year old, it was totally freeing. And that was like, mm. yes, of course, you know, this gets me free. This gets me, uh, allows me to speak in my rhythms, et cetera, et cetera. And that was great. It was freeing. Um, but at the same time, I was writing songs. I, I've been in rock bands since whatever my twenties, mm -hmm. and um, and I was writing children's poetry, which mostly rhymed, and and the songs mostly rhymed. So I was, 
I sort of had this sort of side venture of uh, where where my uh, abilities with rhyme um, were were allowed to to grow really and get nurtured, hmm. and my aesthetic of how to use rhyme was always there, which was to to to, to have it be. Uh, to flow naturally, to never torture the syntax, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, you know, I did combine the two. There, there were uh, in gigs. I did gigs with, um, you know, where I where I sang songs and and, and recited poems interspersed. Um, but I always knew, just from my my childhood and teenage reading, that some of the poems I loved best uh, were poems that used form, like. Mm-hmm. Um, Shakespeare's uh, "One in Disgrace with Fortune in Men's mm-hmm. Eyes." One of my just you know, if people say, "What's your favorite poem?" That one comes to mind, um, and and I liked the, um, the the effects that the power you get from the structure, you know. Um, so I always thought, you know, uh, probably in my older age, uh, I could see doing some of this. Mm. Um, so it was always on the agenda. Is um, it connected to memory, Robert? Like, is 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 that why? you return to the rhyme? Is it connected to the, the fact that poems are easier to memorize for others as well, like Shakespeare, for instance, uh, if they're rhymed? I don't think that's particularly part of it. I think it's just the musical effect of, mm. of sounds calling to sounds. Mm. And so it gives it an extra musical feature, um, an elegance, I think. Mm. Um, or, or you know, it's you know partly cultural in that you're raised. I was raised with that. Mm-hmm. That was poetry. Yes. Um, and, and of course, that if you recite those kind of poems aloud, um, you do get the musicality of it happening. Mm. Uh, but it was embed. It's pretty embedded. Um, so uh, if we catch up to about twelve years ago, so I'm. I was writing uh, Rosa Rose and, and The Wolf is Back, which are books of poems celebrating uh, inspirational people mm. uh, in basic children's verse form. And I wanted to write a poem about Shakespeare. Mm. And it just seemed natural to write a sonnet yes. uh, about Shakespeare. So um, I thought I'd practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so I wrote some practice sonnets first, just you know, so I was kind of up my game a little bit yeah i have blank books uh, that coach house press used to give me nice you know i wrote a number of off the cuff um sonnets in those books um i think i don't know if any of them have made it into print or not um and there's it's slightly addictive (laughs) it sure is Uh, you know um like in the free verse game it's it's such a it's it's very challenging and risky in the sense that where's it going to go? Yeah, you know, like I'm just I'm just in the moment, jamming off myself toward oh, something that works. I hope. Yeah. Whereas, for instance, in a sonnet, you know that you're going to get to that turn, and you're going to have the two lines at the end, and it's gonna it's going to be a certain the content is somewhat defined. Hmm. Um, so um, yeah, I practiced up in, in that blank book um and then um as i said it's somewhat addictive and i wrote the shakespeare sonnet which which people can find in the wolf is back and and i liked it i thought that's that's um that's worthy you know like uh it's not as good as shakespeare but it's it's worthy of it who's as good as shakespeare (laughs) nobody (laughs) i'm ambitious you know 
One must um, be. And then I was also writing a, um, a, a fantasy trilogy for children. Mm. And one of the characters in the third book is a poet. And I had to have him write this sort of um, sad love poem to mm. the main character. And so it was in you know the middle of doing the sonnets for, for both purposes. So I had him write a sonnet. Hmm. Um, and again, I really liked it. I think he wrote two sonnets in, in the book. So there's two more sonnets in, in it's called Spellcrossed, my trilogy. Hmm. And again, I liked that brick, that, that rectangle of, of elegance mm. that the sonnet is. Uh, so I just, after that, um, I just, and, and this was probably about 10 years ago. And I just thought, to hell with it. I'm going to do it. I like doing this. Um, it, it brings me pleasure. And I'm in it for myself as much as anybody else. So I'm, yep. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, you know, ride this through and, and see where it takes me. And I was, you know, somewhat self-conscious. I like to be liked. And I, <laughs> I didn't imagine that um, um, the, the poetry community would, would particularly... In, in, insofar as they even read my work, but that, that, that they would be particularly, oh, God, old-fashioned. Because <laughs> I was doing, I should mention, I'm doing like total iambic pentameter. Right. Rhyme, yes. rhyming uh, yes. sonnets, it, uh, known as an English sonnet or a Shakespearean sonnet. Um, but have you read uh, the Zach Wells edited collection of sonnets called Jailbreaks? Because that's contemporary Canadian sonnets. And oh it's, oh. it's like a hundred sonnets written by different Canadian poets, including one by Joe Rosenblatt and I from our dog oh, book. Wow. Yeah. Oh, okay. So well, I think that came out in 2008 or something know. like that. Yeah. How, how long ago did that come out? About 10 years ago, I think. Oh, something like that. Eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So well, I'll have to check it out. Him. Um, um, so, so how did you yeah. find the guzzle after oh, the sonnet? Okay. So yeah. Guzzles. Well, I knew of guzzles from you. Yes, uh, because you, I've read your book of guzzles, um, and also um, I am um, in a, 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 a sort of a, a Zoom workshop with some poets, hmm. um, and among them is a poet called Alison Stone, hmm. and Alison has books of guzzles, um, and, and is quite adept. She's she's really a, a master of the guzzle form, um, and it. I, I, I loved seeing how you know, you take that same that same uh, template mm. and how variant it can be, mm -hmm. and, you know. And, and again, it's a song like for. In fact, I think it did originate as it did. a song. Yes. Um, so I I wanted to try guzzles, and I did do a number of them, uh, and and uh, you know it led me to this one, which I think probably was the best the best of them. Yeah, I like the way it kind of fuses the traditional Persian ghazal repetitions of the second to last word, and it also doesn't include some of the features and characteristics of that traditional form. So it also kind of harkens to John Thompson's and, you know, P.K. Page's and, and other poets' workings with this form, or Phyllis Webb, for instance. Oh. Yeah. I, I, I'm revealing my, my poorly readness. <laughs> We've talked about that, Robert. <laughs> what features doesn't it have of the original? Well, uh, it's interesting because uh, in the last line of the traditional guzzle, 
the name of the poet would be mentioned. Now you have I, so you could say, well, I is the name of the poet, but you have, yeah. So if you said, uh, you know, Robert, you've known fear. You've always known. Name it, right? Then that would be more traditional. I rob. I rob. Yeah, I mean. I thought that covered it. Yeah, that's true. But, you know, we know we know that's your name, but that's a little subtle for, for the traditional guzzle. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but that, so that that's it. Um, but you, you have the second to last one. You have the you have the kind of discordant, uh, disjunctive kind of turnings. But you also have maybe a bit more consistency in a way because they're all very right. intense images that seem to create this nightmare, nightmare-esque, you know, um, picture of, you know, torments. So it's very Dantean. Also about this particular poem, um, you know, when you write the free verse poems, um, especially if you're in turmoil, it can all, it it can be, um, uh, some, some steps in the process of healing or, or, you know, returning to to equanimity um in this particular poem um i had been uh, mentally ill for um, mm. b- about 16 months the worst i've ever been and it was really really dreadful um and 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 part of the healing process one is just writing poetry again mm. and another one is being able to name what you're feeling yes you know um and so so that that's in particular why this is kind of nightmarish. Mm. Um, but yeah, the, so that this, even though this is a structured, deliberate poem, mm. um, you know, not sort of uh, writing an ink blot to see a shape, it's a deliberate yeah. poem. It served that purpose. It served the purpose of, um, you know, hammering down some flooring, you know, with, with the structure and, and naming the, um, the, the, visions and stuff that that were uh, haunting me yes and i mean the thing about form that you're kind of touching on there is that when you have this very chaotic you know content that has this very free form uh energy in it containing it in these actual forms like sonnets and guzzles and that give it give you almost the ability to write it like i teach a workshop called forms of grief and i teach people how to write, you know, um, glosses and sonnets and, and guzzles that are about grief. And I've seen people be able to talk about their grief through these forms in ways they couldn't if I just said, write about your feelings in some kind of free verse poem, I see. you know? I see. Yeah. That's that, just an aside there is that I was in a school a few days ago and did poetry readings and a, a young man sort of accompanied me to the subway and along the way, he kind of broke his silence and it became clear that he had lost two brothers. Mm. Um, and he, and we, we'd had, um, he'd had Stuart Ross in there previously, but he missed Stuart. Mm. And I thought, wow, I wish I could connect this guy. Like he's obviously seeking a way to, yes. so anyways, I'll, I'll, I may get your, partic- yeah. I will get your particulars and maybe connect you. Absolutely. Yeah, I know. I love that. that. Um, sorry. Uh, yes. And so you, yeah, we, so the container. Yeah. Um, that, that is another aspect of why this is particularly apt moment in my development writing is that um, something of free verse, uh, its, its associative uh, approaches, um, 
becomes a way of thinking, or maybe it already was, but it is there is a way of thinking that badoom, badoom, badoom takes you mm-hmm. to this, to that, to that, and you arrive at, uh, if you're unlucky, or just normal even, you arrive at your trauma or, or that, that particular image that represents harm or, or whatever. Yes. Um, and that was really a, largely at work in my illness. Um, and um, so there's something about a structure, a container. Yes. Yes, you can put it in this, and it's not going to flow off the edge of the world. You know, it's mm-hmm. not going to go down that that blood-filled drain. Yes, it's in this, it's in this building that you know classical poetry has, has left the blueprint for. Mm, that's a beautiful yeah. way of putting it. So, uh, as kind of a correlative question here, talk to me a bit about the role of repetition in poetry and how the chant-like quality of this poem gives it the nature of a ritual or an exorcism. Wow. Yeah. Well. That's, that, that, that almost nails it, what I would say. But yeah, so um, I do love incantatory effects in poetry. Mm. And, and really, a lot of the editing of poetry sometimes for me is, is um, you know, making it um, not you know, the drops of water on your forehead, that, that it's, it's repetitive, but it's repetitive in, in an affirming, building type of way. Um, so, so that's obviously really at play in the gazel. Um, and in this particular instance, um, you know, you could almost see, um, the, the other, the other sections of the couplet that lead up to the repetitive part are kind of, it could be the patient talking, yes. you know, free, free, freestyling to the, uh, the therapist mm. with this images stuff and then the therapist each time says name it dog electroshock from years of sleep name it mm. uh, i love that about it so, so it's like a well, call and answer too because that's what that's what the traditional gazel was was a call and answer with a yes. community which it's lost that in the canadian version in a lot of ways because we don't really have a community that's going to call and answer with us, but right. this one actually does that. It mimics that process. Yeah, and and, and in, in that sense, it sets up a dialogue within uh, a dialogue of soul to soul or self. Um, and if you wanted to, you know, take it one step further, uh, this might be pushing it. But I mean, in terms of uh, you know, really embedding in oneself that strong psychological instruction name it mm. well okay there's one two three four five six seven eight nine ten times yes i'm uh, repeating that in this poem yes you know i mean uh yeah so you know it works on these levels yeah so it's both it's both is like intense hammer you know name 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 you know but it's also this purgation so it's not you know it's kind of like you have to be a bit violent to your psyche in order to get those images of horror out. Yeah, well, I'm, uh, unfortunately, those images of horror were like the uh, gasoline on top of the puddle. They were they were right there. But, right. Um, um, you know, but if it's nice to express them in, in ways that I approve of that I think are interesting enough. Yeah, that can connect with, with others who, you yeah. know, th- there's there's got to be thousands of of potential readers who have experienced something akin to this and who haven't been able to possibly find a way of, you know, expunging, you know, or expressing. Uh, And so you, you give them an approach, you know, a channel. 
this yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, much in the same way that um, you know someone like uh, Sexton or Sylvia Plath gave me a channel. You know. That leads right into my third question. That's amazing. I said the imagery in this piece is super intense and gothic and brings to mind Plath. I almost put Sexton and I thought, nope, I'm just going to keep it at Plath. And now I'm going to go to Latin American sensibilities such as Neruda or Vallejo. So any literary spurs behind the poem or was it all drawn from the horrors of this unique experience or a fusion? Um, For one, obviously, we've addressed the issue that it's the template mm. came from others. Um, I don't, I don't know, you know, because I've read Sylvia Plath and, and I returned to Sylvia Plath. Um, I don't, I think it was a free flowing, fairly easy to write structure. Mm. Uh, but, but I am, and I think a lot of it is affected by the idea of euphony. Mm. Uh, that that it be musical, um, that that there there be um, there, that there be music in the sounds of the poem. Um, let me see, Angel Sustrothic Whisk and Murdust. Gee, um, I don't I don't think it strongly draws on on Sylvia Plath, but she lit the way. Yes. You know? Yes. Um, I don't know. If As did Sexton. Recall her particular style. Uh, she did have that saucy, that one about, you know, the father and there's an attitude, like it's not, oh, poor me, I'm Sylvia Plath. No. So kind of a sauce in it that she's fighting yeah. back at the same time as, you know. Um, yeah, the daddy, the boot to the face, you know, the the, the, yeah, the Hitler yeah, daddy, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 Or her, her gory tulips, you know, the, this this ha these haunting presences of everyday objects. Uh, you know, she was just so finely tuned. Yeah. Um, and Neruda certainly influenced me loads when I was younger. I hadn't read him for years, but you know, how do you, how do you differentiate what music still echoes in your own music? So absolutely in, just in both those cases and in Sexton because Sexton, um, there's poems of hers that are formal. Yes. Uh, while while containing rough content. So true. And uh, and I don't Vallejo wasn't a huge influence on me, but um, you know their their music was um, were some of the ripples on the earlier part of the river that kind of uh, per got perpetuated into my ripples. Mm, have you ever read uh, Robert Bly's Leaping Poetry on Latin American poets? I believe I have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a stunning entree into that whole world of, yeah, you know, the free yeah, associations. I that when I was uh, probably 29 or 30. Mm. I'm heading for 71 now, so it was a while back, but... Um, yeah. Yay! We live on, Robert. So far. So, far. <laughs> so we're going to take a quick break now because I'm going to have to give you another link to Zoom because Zoom has decided lately that I only get 40 minutes online instead of an hour. So okay. I'm going to take a quick break and I will be back with more questions with Robert Priest. And we're back. 
back with Robert Priest from Toronto with the two questions that I ask every Canadian poet so far of Miss Lyrics Poetry Outlaws. So the first question is, where, how did you start as a poet and now leap, where are you today? So you don't have to tell me the entire trajectory of your writing life, but just how did you begin and what are you doing right now? Okay, um, so... Um, I was I, I was born into a family where my mother recited poetry, mm. had poetry, poems from memory, and wrote poems. So poetry was very familiar to me as part of life as a child. Um, and then uh, when I was eight years old, um, I got a pen flashlight for a present at Christmas. And I, um, you know, at night with the lights out, went under my covers and lit it up in there and and wondered what what should I do now? <laughs> somehow I, yeah, and somehow um, I, I, I thought I should write a poem. Uh, so I must have had a piece of paper or something and a pen or pencil at hand, and I wrote a poem called "I Can Write Poetry All Through the Night." Blah 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 to the dawn's early light. So that's how that started. Nice. Uh, and it came. Oh, I see. You can do this. This isn't so hard. Um, and. Um, so that it started like that with with a kind of the the, the sort of British influenced uh, notion of poetry, mm. rhyming poetry, and um, I did that occasionally, both you know because it was required at school, and for my own pleasure throughout, you know, public school and into high school. Uh, so um, so yeah, I started I started with with that you know, let's say old fashioned notion of poetry, formal poetry. Um, Did it get you the ladies, Robert? Did it get you the ladies? Oh, oh. <laughs> well, if I had been, um, you know, I was very, very small as a child. I was really short for my age and, huh. and people thought I was way younger than I was. So the ladies, not so much. <laughs> I, I certainly, I certainly held up my end of the longing for them. Uh -huh. um, but, um, you know, into the, so at some point though, when I discovered really f discovered uh, free verse, um, and by that time I was five and a, we won't we will talk about all my dimensions, but I was five and eleven and a half. Years old. <laughs> um, Yay! I was getting ladies, <laughs> and, uh, ladies, um, and it was very freeing, as I mentioned before. So so and and. Just my aesthetic and my politics were quite combined. Uh, and that, so I was writing poetry, you know, for that Rambodian kind of um, unsettling um, social critic mm. kind of thing as an outsider, as an, as an outlaw, in a mm. sense. Mm -hmm. and that, that was very intrinsic to my aesthetic at the time. Uh, plus, you know, love uh, being an important uh, aspect of that and really I, I just rode that um you know uh being inspired by various poets uh, up until we get to um what we've just talked about and the formal more formal poetry aside from the songs and stuff and where i am right now um is um uh, you know the stuff that you've read of my children's poetry was very deliberate uh, documentary poetry mm. it was taking the world and um, learning a story of, of an inspirational story and crushing it in my head to something that was 
uh, a mini story that exemplified the larger story, turning it into verse mm. and making it suitable for the uh, mind of, of young people. Uh, so sort of deliberate documentary poetry. Um, so that is still, it's such hard work. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know how much more of that I will do. Um, and, I, and I feel like I've done a good job at it. Are kids uh, uh, harsh critics, do you find? Are children harder to please than adult readers? Why, why is it so challenging? Is it the forms? Is it? Oh, it's just the, all the work to, to you know, like yes. to write a, a four-verse poem about Martin Luther King. I'm going to read three biographies. <laughs> oh, yes. And, you know, and, and, and really just sit with it and let it sift through me. And there's that thread. There's that narrative that is the childlike narrative. And, mm. then, and then pick, you know, how am I going to do it? What form or, you know, they, they all tended, to, mostly tended to be, poems that used meter and rhyme where you know the exact meter including the accents are are the same from verse to verse mm. so i love that challenge and again yes. it is addictive oh yeah uh, you know um and then uh, you know bringing me up to today in my adult poetry i've i've just done a poem a day in april with with some other poets mm. i know I did a poem a day in October and a poem a day last April. And those have been poems that, um, again, deliberate in the sense of, um, I've got to write a poem today. Yes. And, and, and this big permission slip opens that says, yeah, yeah, you've got to write a poem. <laughs> Get on you've it. You've got to overcome your, um, your, your self-doubt and, and, and all those things that tend to be uh, in front of us when we, when we want to break our silence. So... Um, that led me all sorts of places that I might not particularly have gone, including, you know, just drawing poems from life events. Mm. I was never much on doing that. I always thought that mm. was kind of cheating, which mm. it isn't really, but that was just what myself told me. I used to just have to make it up on the spot. Um, so, so it's, I think, slightly more autobiographical where I am now. Mm. And really just all that spread of things that we talked about the classical forms free verse prose poetry which i did a lot of uh, aphorism they all just seem part of my pal uh, palette mm -hmm. yeah. uh, and and um i'm not going to settle down and do one thing i'm going to continue and boring <laughs> you know, I'm going to do all that. Yes. And, um, and some of it's going to be really good. <laughs> of <laughs> course. Know? Oh, I forgot to mention in the bio that you were the second recipient of the Joe Rosenblatt Mutzi Award for Renegade Creators. So yeah, you got the special stuff Mutzi. Yeah, something I treasure. And I, I, as you know, I loved Joe. And he was this very special man and, and, and artist. And so, so, um, I try not even to think much about awards, knowing that, you know, the poetry, when you, every time you write something you love is, is the greatest award. But so true. Um, I'm very pleased in particular that, that I would get that, that award because, mm -hmm. because of the connection with Joe. And very fitting. You are a renegade creator. You are a poetry outlaw. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. I, you know, I haven't had to use much courage. Um, and, and that's to my benefit. I don't know that you know, the the poets of, of Russia who mm. speak under the Putin regime, etc., etc. Um, it's It's been a lot easier for me to be a renegade than it is for them, so I, I, I don't make any vainglorious uh, claims on, on 
hero, heroism, but no, I've just I've been lucky. Yes, but you've still had your own challenges and your own tragedies to work through. Oh, yeah. So for sure, yeah, yeah. I think no no one escapes that in whatever way, shape, no. or form. So. I was just talking to somebody at, uh, I finally got to launch my book Riven the other night at the Edmonton Poetry Festival. And I was talking to an old man afterwards who said he lost his son. And he said he'd written a lot of poems about that. And I said, what would we do? You know, I don't like the idea of poetry as therapeutic because it seems so reductive. But still, what would we do without our art making when it comes to grief? You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I would be lost. The thing about any of those things that are reductive my take on it is that's one thing poetry can be. It's not what poetry ever has to be. No. So, so like I, that's why I feel great. I can be a fabulist, a surrealist, yes, or or a total realist. You know. That's uh, right. It's, yeah. It's the it's the dictionary definition aspect of people wanting to n- nail poetry into one corner that is damned annoying. Oh, it's so dull. I just resist it. I I shrink from it constantly, which leads me to my final question, which is tell me what you would change about the Canadian poetry scene and what you still love about this often strange world. (laughs) That's two two questions. (laughs) Okay, okay. It's it's a large one, but, you know, many Um, ways to enter it. I suspect I'm too much of a um, self-centered and jealous person to have the kind of rational detachment it would take to change the poetry scene you know really i think if i can get a little bit detached um i would infuse it with even more money ah uh, always <laughs> not, not huge amounts of money that go to one person yes by that's right person jury but more uh equally distributed money um because you know where has there been a bigger boom than since the canada council started to really you know, fund poetry. Oh, absolutely. Um, so, so I would definitely infuse more money into it. Um, so instead of say one massive award like the Griffin, it would be better to have smaller prizes for you know awards and larger amounts of money spread in a you know a thinner way to nourish a larger amount of creators. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And uh, um, I, 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 you know. Again, it's, I don't think poetry should have to be people's poetry. No. But I think there always needs to be poetry that uh, that fits into what people almost innately think of as poetry. Mm, you know, mm. and so I, I memorize this because I love it. Yes. I, I, I spoke it at a wedding or a funeral yes. or something. So I think I would encourage that aspect of poetry a little more. And maybe I would uh, discourage the kind of discursive, um, alienating poetry a little less. <laughs> mm. um, so but, do you think you know, it's becoming, uh, say, too homogenous in terms of how more and more and more poets come out of academia, come out of the university, come out of the creative writing department, that strain? Uh, so diversity, more diversity? I think so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, as we've discovered here, I'm not that well read in, you know, uh, I, I, you know, so, uh, so I have this feeling that from my small sample group that there's a lot of this uh, PhD inspired, um, uh, you know, 
mysterious or not, not it's 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 not that it's mysterious it's that it's not engaging mm. um you know that uh, that seems to be popular among people who write that kind of poetry um so do you mean it's not engaging like in a somatic physical sensory way like it's just more about emanating from the brain stuff well i think that's what i mean yeah that i mean surrealism you know breton type surrealism isn't what you would call immediate mm -hmm. or, you know, but there's something in it that for instance affects me viscerally yes like it, it it moves me in some way mm -hmm. um, and i've read a lot of poems and um that i think fit into some i think you know, maybe some modern philosophical um, ideal of poetry that don't affect me either way mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. they, it's like i read them and i say well fuck you <laughs> you know like you, you did know, nothing for me nothing you know, this is like the priesthood in 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 europe in the middle ages where you had to have a priest tell you what what god said because you were too stupid or you could, yeah you know you didn't have the education um and, i would still allow those people to <laughs> You know, uh, but, oh, you're uh, so benevolent. I do, think it's, I do think it's an era where people need poetry. And, and uh, I'm not saying that just because I'm a poet. I just think there is a legitimate human, um, you know, biological need for the poetic take on existence. Mm -hmm. And in times of war uh, and tragedy that, that we've now deeply in I, I feel that that longing in the populace and, and mm -hmm. i long to be able to fill it uh and i long for to have a lot of company in filling it which i do by the way there are many there are people's type poets but yes. i think you know just uh just to to be served to serve a little bit as as a cultural um originator yes um, for that function is is one of my deepest ambitions as as it and it goes hand in hand with my other ambition to have readers <laughs> yes it so, seems like such a simple thing to want readers but it's yeah. it's a challenge you know don't, don't you find it strange how there's so many poets in this country and so few of them seem to be readers <laughs> Yeah, I guess so. I guess so, and I, I, I plead guilty. Well, it's not that I, uh, I... I just don't know that I'm all that terribly well-read in Canadian poetry. Right. Uh, but, I, yeah, I'm not well-read, I suppose, I, I uh, in, in terms of how much poetry there is in the world. Oh, well, who can it's be? Such, it's so magical and so pleasurable to me to read poetry that I don't tend to, um, you know, stuff myself like one of those... Um, those geese. <laughs> <laughs> the, the foie gras. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't want to be like foie gras on poetry. Uh, it is such a pleasure. Um, and then what was it about the world? Uh, what, what, do you, what do you still love about the Canadian poetry scene? Like, are you in that anthology that, that Penn Kemp just put out on uh, Poets for the Ukraine? Oh, yes. yes yeah. I am. I am. I could barely focus on that. But mm. I did, I did um, send them some stuff. Um, I was so, I, you know, I just got so annoyed that it's like, there's been a fucking war in Yemen. Yes, you know, this that's is, right. This isn't down on Penn or Ken, but you know, that... That nobody it's, cares it's about. It's horrible. Yeah. So, you know, and there's a war in, in, in um, 
Nigeria. Of course. And Ethiopia, and it just sort of, oh, fuck, so now it's all about Ukraine. But anyway, um, yes, I am in that, and, and I have been sending out poems. I didn't Good. send out poems because I thought, oh, so I'm going to go through all this typing and whiteouting <laughs> and going to the post Waste of time. Letters, yeah. You know, to send it in to, to someone who mostly is going to reject it. Um, and, and what? So I can get, you know, 300 readers. <laughs> Maybe. Um, <laughs> but these yeah. days it's so much easier because you just like go to submittable and you just send it online. So yeah. you don't have to do so, all the, the uh, whatchamacallit, these sazies that we used to have to do with the exactly. self-addressed stamped envelopes. Yeah. So once, once I knew I was, you know, I could get my books published, I just didn't really care to, to go through that. Partly, you know, out of pride, of course. But um, now, as you say, it's easier, and and um, uh, I've been, and, and I'm not so um, thin-skinned as I used to be. Mm. So now I have been sending them out, and I've got a really good success rate. I've got three of those sonnets coming out in the new quarterly. Oh, great! That's so good. Money, etc. I, I like that magazine. There's there's yeah. actually few periodicals I like in this country, and New Quarterly is definitely one of them. So oh good yeah, yeah I certainly it's it's on my top of my list right now. I'll tell top you. five. <laughs> I've been sending to places in the states. Yeah, about, you know more than just because you know just again in the old days, uh, if you sent to the United States, you had to go to the post office and buy this. Coupon. Yep, that's right. Uh, the international reply coupon or whatever it yeah, was. Yeah. Expensive, like more expensive than Canadian poetry. And you had to include that with your self addressed envelope. I know. Mail that, you know, so that they could take it and. Oh, <laughs> what a pain! Know, it, was pretty, it was pretty discouraging. Not, not because I'm necessarily cheap, but I really have existed on very little money, especially in my early years. Yeah. You know, that's how poets are when well, they're yeah. into it. It's, it's their prime thing. Yeah, for and sure. that's what you put aside money for, so. Yeah. And then you felt so much worse if you got rejected because, you know, you'd spent all this time and energy and hassle with the post office and then you got rejected. Ah, I know. You know? And now they have this, which is even, like, I just can't figure this, is the, the contests where you pay 25 bucks. I'm like, are you kidding? I, I object to stamps. 25, so I, 30, 40 dollars? It's gone as high as, so. I know, I just, I just can't imagine that that can be anything but a middle class pursuit. Um, oh, oh, absolutely. Um, you know, so I've never once entered any of those and I do not plan to, though my publisher is allowed to enter. That's right, that's right, yeah, yeah. Governor generals, etc. Yes. Well, you're you're not going to be opposed to winning the GG if that should perchance occur. Probably not. Because <laughs> you know, I do take Canada Council grants, of course. Of course. Even though, you know, our country is supplying the Saudis with weapons to fight in Yemen. Mm. Um, it's but, also you know, entangled. Yeah. You know, there's nothing pure. Not, yeah. Um, and not much. Anyway, yeah. So then uh, what was something? What do I love about the world? What do you love about the Canadian poetry scene still after all this time? Oh, well, the good poets. Yes. Um, you know, and I find them, um, uh, you know, um, in, in, well, now, you know, on Facebook, in, on, online, uh, you know, recently written poems um, that I like, mm -hmm. you know, many that I don't, but there are definitely, there's definitely people writing out there 
um, whose, whose work uh, turns my crank. Um, I like the infrastructure of um, the, the genera- generosity of people who run poetry readings, mm. uh, who, who put together festivals mm-hmm. um, where, where we can meet one another and share one another's poetry with audiences. I mean, that's all just really a great blessing that yes. many countries do not have. Yes. Uh, we also have, uh, you know, there's subsidies for actual presses, like all of that, the infrastructure yeah. that has been achieved since around the 60s um, is, is just um, a great blessing on, on the art. And um, I yeah. love that about it. I love it's the phenomenal. poetry that I love. Mm. I love some, you know, the people I love. I love some poets. I just feel very loyal. You know, like I mentioned that I'm jealous. I do get jealous, usually not about other people's poetry, but about other people's recognition, etc. That's a little small of me, but... um, You know, it's all fleeting. It's fleeting. (laughs) Uh, Unlike life itself. Unlike Uh, life itself. (laughs) Put the the irony icon beside that. Yep. (laughs) Um, But... um, when I love a poet, I just love a poet. And mm. I will go to bat for them. I will try to get them published and all that. Yes. Um, so there's poets I love in this country and other countries. Um, and, and I guess part of the infrastructure, too, is like that I could be sent up to a place like Attawapiskat. <laughs> Attawapis what? <laughs> Attawapiskat oh, yeah, is a First Nations community. Um, up in uh, close to James Bay, oh, which amazing has the highest teen suicide rate. It did I don't know if it still does uh, in Canada, and that that we could send me up there to go into the schools and do poetry. Oh, um, fantastic! It was wonderfully um, uh, long sighted, I think, mm-hmm. uh, in the sense of you know whatever else poetry is, it it can be a bomb to the B-A-L-M, to yes. the senses. It can be uh, an opening to the psyche for others to, to do it. Um, so, you know, uh, I, I thank always the, the taxpayers and voters of Canada for, whether they like it or not, funding all this system. And these young people will never forget you. You know, they, well, you'll have an impact on them for the rest of their lives in different ways. And that, well, that's, that's so essential. So yeah, I mean, and I don't insist that they don't forget me, uh, but, but, but if that's part of it, if they read my, my works, that's great, but um, it, I won't forget them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Here's to not forgetting with Robert Priest. Thank you so much for talking to me today. That's a pleasure, Catherine, and I really thank you. You're one of the people that I, uh, I love and thank, and uh, I'm glad to be uh, in your podcast. Aw, thanks, Robert. You've been listening to Miss Lyrics, Poetry Outlaws. Don't forget to support her on Patreon. And stay fierce, word musicians.